Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CounterPoint Podcast. My name is Maurice, and I'll once again be your host for this episode. And with me, I have my colleague, Senior Research Analyst Glenn Cardoza on the line, and we'll be talking about a very interesting topic. Uh, this time around, we'll be discussing the Southeast Asian market, uh, where he has some expertise in. And we're looking into discussing, um, actually, we're doing a follow-up um, on what is happening with you know, COVID-19, uh, what happened in 2020. Uh, we actually did a podcast before on the market. Uh, we'll link to it in this uh, podcast as well. Um, but basically, we're, we're trying to expand on what we previously talked about, um, what happened with social distancing, lockdowns, how the online channel grew, um, and and other dynamics that are happening in the market. So welcome, Glenn. Hi, Maurice. Uh, it's really good to be part of this podcast. Great. So um, let's start, start off again with... Uh, you know, the, the kind of the basics here. Um, so when we talk about the Southeast Asian market, um, which countries are we including here? So, you know, Southeast Asia covers 11 countries. Uh, it's, it's a mix of many small and big developing nations, and most of which are quite promising. Uh, the main economies, however, uh, the ones to look out for would be Indonesia, Thailand, Philippines, and Vietnam. These four hold a lot of potential, and they are currently growing. Gotcha. So, We'll be looking at those four uh, major markets, I assume. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how they're different from each other, um, you know, in terms of GDP or uh, geography or population and culture? Yeah, so um, although they are part of the same region, Maurice, they, they are quite different from each other. So you, you mentioned population. That's one factor that's quite differentiating. For example, in Indonesia, they have a total of more than 270 million of a population uh, it's the biggest economy in southeast asia so that's that becomes a quite a big entry point you know for any brand that is looking to get into new markets that indonesia is followed by philippines vietnam and then thailand so the way each of these countries have been dealing with covid-19 as well that's been different the effect of the pandemic on them has been different so many things have changed since the last podcast that we had uh, on southeast asia See, for example, let's look at other factors. Uh, Indonesia and Philippines, at least for the COVID-19, have been able to deal with the situation over an extended period. And uh, Thailand and Vietnam, well, they recuperated a little earlier. The presence of of a relatively younger population is common among all these countries. So what makes this, this region and most of its countries very attractive is, is the fact that the population is pretty vibrant, a big proportion of young, you know, digital savvy population. So that's kind of given the push to the online adoption as well for this particular region. Got you. So interesting. So some of these market drivers, um, young population, um, online savvy. But but how about this? Um, you know, 2020 was a particularly tough year, I think, for everyone with the outbreak, uh, lockdowns happening in countries. Um, and, you know, after that initial hit of COVID, uh, we, we saw some pent up demand because of people working from home and uh, school also becoming homeschooling, um, which, you know, is the new no- norm now. Um, but with, with all that, what happened to the smartphone market and the performance in these countries? Uh, was there kind of like a decline there? Um, was it flat or did we even see growth? Yeah, so... 
interestingly, you you mentioned one thing that actually opened up the the economy for uh, these countries in the region. Uh, pent up demand is one big factor for this region. So the first two quarters in 2020 saw a decline due to the pandemic, obviously, and subsequent issues that followed. And this was seen across all the SEA, the Southeast Asian countries. But by the start of the third quarter in the year, we saw the market open up. So as people conform to their new requirements, the new normal, there's a, the need for their smartphone increased with, like you mentioned, working from home, the studies and courses being done by, by children from home, and every other aspect of their life that depended even a little bit on smartphones changed. So there was, there was a different kind of dependence on smartphones. And that was seen in the last two quarters of 2020. Mostly every demographic contributed to the rise in sales. Uh, in, in the second half of 2020, there was a surge in smartphone sales, almost 10% across all four Southeast Asian countries. That's quite a jump. And markets like Indonesia and Thailand grew more than others. While it could not cover up the loss in, in the first half of the year, the sales in the second half showed us quite a potential for these markets. And right, and I think this is something, um, you know, we, especially uh, for us, we, we've had a lot of discussions on in, ter- in terms of like, how will this um, COVID-19 impact happen? Is it a V-shaped recovery? Is it a W-shaped recovery? You know, you, you had all these different types of scenarios. And so for, for this instance, it's essentially um, a V-shaped recovery, correct? Yes, you, you could call that a V-shaped recovery. It's, uh, it's something that uh, brought it down uh, in the first uh, two quarters of last year, but uh, then we see it come up right up there and then sustain itself. And it's kind of the same thing we look forward to in 2021 as well. Gotcha. So what what about then are the are the key factors contributing to the growth? I mean, you already mentioned pent-up demand. Um, is there anything else that happened? Were operators more aggressive with their service plans or were OEMs uh, doing some pricing? Um that 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 changed kind of the market. Uh, yes, Mari. So pent up demand, like you like you mentioned, obviously was one of the main factors. But that's the demand part of it. If you look at the supply aspect, brands were quick to realize that if offline networks were not uh, doing justice to the demand, online channels should be concentrated on more. And this began quite early. It started in the first quarter of 2020 itself. It it gave. Uh, a much needed convenience aspect to consumers and it reduced the risk element uh, during lockdowns and curbs as well. So there were many sales and marketing initiatives over WhatsApp, many other online platforms, home deliveries, which are specialized, flash sales, etc. All these were done in a very well-timed manner. Aggressive pricing, online occasion-based offers, all, all these are quite normal. Uh, but they got quite a push in the last two quarters, especially in the last quarter of 2020. We believe that most consumers saw value in the low to mid-range smartphones. Uh, they are price-sensitive markets. I mean, Indonesia, Vietnam, Philippines especially, they are quite price-sensitive. And brands had foreseen this demand and made sure that the supply meets the demand. And uh, that's how their distribution supply chain and everything else worked. Right. And when you mention these are really price sensitive markets, you know, and what, what comes to mind to me is, you know, we have certain you know, big OEMs that manufacture and that really compete in this price range. So 
um, you know, globally, Samsung is one of these big players who who are, um, you know, for for the most part, the the number one leader in the market. However, um, Samsung has also been losing share um, as of late, and where that's coming from, I believe, is uh, these these Chinese smartphone makers, so such as Xiaomi, um, Oppo, Vivo. Um, and others gaining share. So, so what in particular are these brands doing um, to, to di- differentiate and be able to capture some share from Samsung? Uh, yes, so Samsung, it's an old player and they have quite a base set even in Southeast Asia. So this has been changing over the last uh, few quarters and it's it started in quite before the, the pandemic itself. So Chinese brands, especially like the ones you mentioned, Oppo, Vivo, Realme, and Xiaomi, were the actual main brands who started the online channel push uh, in early 2020. Uh, Samsung as well was with them in this case. Therefore, their focus on the economical range gave them a bit of an advantage over the markets. So Oppo, Vivo, Realme, Xiaomi, all four of them have a, a good uh, variety in their offerings with regards to you know uh, entry level smartphones, mid, all up to mid-range smartphones. While Samsung is still a strong brand in this region, they, they have a good online settling and uh, a very good partnership with the online channel and offline channel networks. The Chinese brands took many initiatives uh, to capture a healthy consumer mindshare. Now, mind you, this was required because these Chinese brands are relatively quite new compared to Samsung. So they realized this. Brands like Oppo and Vivo worked out out-of-the-box marketing initiatives, they have also maintained their offerings in the mid to high range smartphones. Uh, For example, Oppo, Vivo have their X series range and they cater to all the demographic, whether they are on the lower end of the economy scale or the higher end. They made sure that they have a respectable variety of offering. While uh, 5G is still yet to be commercialized in these markets, these brands have come out not only with uh, the 5G models, but also made sure they had the 4G variants for the same. Now, that is something that worked for these brands as well. Uh, all these initiatives and a lot more that they've done over the course of 2020, at least in the, the last two quarters, all have made sure that they are quite strong competitors to Samsung. And you know, this has been great. And I wanted to kind of pick up on something you just mentioned regarding um, online sales, right? And their, the online growth through these brands. Um, as you rightly said, the online channel has been growing. And I wanted to kind of understand a little bit more how these brands and these e-commerce portals are actually working together um, in, in order to, you know, innovate and and kind of uh, grow their, their share there. Yes, the brands are... Uh quite active online. So brands in the SCA region have had their online affiliations even pre-COVID. So most brands believed in the multi-platform approach. They made sure that they are not partnered with only the biggest players, but made sure that uh, they are there even with the up-and-comers. The online platforms were working with them on new launches, making sure that their current well-to-do models are right there up there and the distribution network for online channels would definitely be a bit more easier than the offline that they would have to cater to so overall sales even during the pandemic was pretty high the online emphasis no doubt definitely made a big difference the highest difference towards uh the start of the year and 
then as the market started opening in the third and fourth quarter the online just just gave the much needed push to offline to make sure that they made up some part while getting rid of their stock so for example xiaomi and realme they lead the southeast asian markets with their online channel sales so it's the biggest proportion of their overall sales uh while they are leading the other brands are not far behind so vivo uh, xiaomi uh, i'm sorry vivo uh, oppo samsung all have a very active online uh, proportion of sales as well uh while online proportion of sales keep it they, it kept increasing in 2020 in the, the fourth quarter itself we saw about 6% year on year increase in online sales that's that's quite a jump for the last quarter of the year this is commendable for this region particularly we see online proportion of sales going up in 2021 as well yeah a uh, 6% year over year increase um is is quite a lot especially for these regions i agree um but you know can you actually uh tell us a little bit more about these online platforms um who like who are they can you just list some um some names and also um how do you see or do you see actually any changes happening in terms of the dynamics um for online channels going forward yes so there has been a lot going on uh with regards to online platforms in these countries the brands understand that online marketplaces and e-commerce websites gather more click fall compared to the brand's own online portal so in this region lazada has led the charge with online smartphone sales but shopee has been gaining with the highest growth in 2020 and this has been seen uh, overall across all the main economies there have been an increased number of investments especially from chinese uh, stakeholders who are betting big on the online channels in this region there are also relatively smaller players like uh, uh tokopedia is one such player which is not exactly small it's been there in the indonesian market for a long time uh it's not as aggressive with smartphone sales as lazada and shopee currently but they have a big potential to looking at uh maybe gaining a little synergy from other eco, uh, ecosystem players there are different other smaller players like bukalapak uh, akulaku and uh, other ones which are set in the chinese market like jd.com all these are relying heavily on you know increasing their overall online sales for smartphones especially so jd.com would be in indonesia thailand the dynamics are changing as the overall online channel heats up with covid-19 not really decelerating at this point we see the focus on these online channels increasing in this current year as well awesome um And now um I kind of wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about um offline channels and um the dynamics you're seeing there. Uh so just, you know, for from a US perspective, um we have Best Buy as one of the major retailers um here um brick and mortar retailers as we call them. So Best Buy has actually been trying to swift a lot uh, switch a lot of their strategy uh turning some of their stores into actual fulfillment centers so they're able to boost their online presence more um boost online sales um and and get shipping more expedited that way have you seen or what have you seen in terms of um what the offline channels have been doing um have they had any recovery or have they even you know switched to kind of like a model like i mentioned for best buy uh yes mois that's an interesting model you mentioned for the us but it's it's a bit different in southeast asia uh they haven't 
as as much as we know they haven't done any such thing to uh take over uh you know what infrastructure and what facilities they have for offline onto online to build online so it's a bit different across brands for uh, uh in this region all the main brands have their own strategy for channel sales for example even as the pandemic raged brands like vivo and oppo continued their increased focus on their offline network they are known for an offline strong network and they they kept their focus on that particular aspect they did build their online as well uh, although as as we see it's not exactly the main channel that gives them the sales they did build it up to some potential however but as if you, if you look at brands like Xiaomi and Realme well they were the ones who led the online charge they still are but their strategy also it, it was a, it was a mix of offline and online they made they are currently making sure that they increase their distribution the network of online stores different formats of stores kiosks everything that's being done uh, is in line with what is required uh, for the region for these particular countries online definitely offline definitely so xiaomi and realme they have been giving equal importance to both this is the key for their growth in the region actually and samsung has had a long standing with the partnerships that they have with online players which will continue and their offline network remains relatively strong as well looking at this you have other brands uh, other chinese brands like the transient brands as well like techno infinix which are quite strong online apart from the main brands that you see in this region. Thanks, Glenn. Those are some really interesting dynamics I think you've mentioned for both um, you know, the online and offline uh, channels we're seeing in Southeast Asia. But you know, I wanted to touch upon one last thing, um, which is kind of tangentially related, uh, and it's, it's on the production and manufacturing that happens um, in these countries, such as Vietnam and the Philippines. You know, like we have seen... Uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, um, a lot of factories closing down um, in China, which massively affected the supply of smartphones um, globally. So a lot of OEMs are actually trying to diversify uh, their manufacturing capabilities uh, so that they can reduce risks, right? And what makes these other nations or countries um, attractive for OEMs to, to look into for manufacturing and investment. Yes, this is this is quite an important part, uh, Maurice. So uh, brands recognize the importance of Southeast Asia, not just because of the, the demand and the consumer base that they have or the profile and demographics. They also look at it from a manufacturing investment point of view. So, for example, like you rightly said, uh, there's there's one country that stands out. Vietnam has been leading the charge. It's quite pro-manufacturing, pro-investment uh, that its approach uh, it, it has had. And uh, it's the best in Southeast Asia at this point. It's, it's incentives to international companies, it's FDI policies, low-cost skilled labor, and the free trade agreements that they have are relatively much better than the other countries in, uh, in this region. These are the main factors which work for Vietnam currently. And uh, that's the reason it's quite attractive for corporates, for brands, international brands who want to set up uh, their uh, production units in, in this country. Samsung, for example, is one such uh, brand which has been producing in Vietnam for quite some time. It's, it makes up a big proportion of their manufacturing bulk. Due to their history in manufacturing for Samsung, there are other brands like Foxconn, Xiaomi, 
they've recently taken a lot of interest and started their initiatives in this country as well. Indonesia is is another country. Uh, it has a potential for the production, but at this point is not as uh, as ahead as Vietnam is. So apart from India, Southeast Asia is the only other region uh, getting the benefit as production processes continue to move out of China, like you mentioned. So this trend will continue as we see in uh, the US-China situation is quite volatile at this point. We we look at this region gaining not only through consumers, but uh, also through, through, through business, through trade, and its relationship with international manufacturers. Yeah, and I mean, this is a huge topic, and I, I think that we can probably spend another podcast uh, on, this, on this very thing, right? True, true, absolutely. Well, um, I wanted to end it here then. Thanks, Glenn, for uh, yeah, talking about this. It's been really uh, enlightening. Thank you, Maurice. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, again, for listening and staying with us for this podcast. Um, as always, you can find us on counterpointresearch.com, as well as the major other podcast um, websites and places such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Hope that you guys have a great day. And until next time, take care.